reading today is from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. A sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. The word of the Lord. Welcome to Trinity Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Brian, and I am so thankful that you are here with us today, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, whether this is your first time here or you've been coming for a long time, I am so incredibly thankful that you are here and that we're together to come around God's Word today. Now, we have been going through a quarantine series about being equipped um, talking about some different things that we need to be able to embrace, to lean into, to live well, so that we can uh, live the life that God has for us all uniquely in this very unusual time, particularly here for us in New York City. Uh, now, this is actually going to be our last message within this series, and I want to give a bit of a promo because I'm really excited about this. Next week, we're going to jump into a study on the book of Daniel. Daniel is an incredibly fascinating book filled with visions and prophecies, um, narrative stories of just amazing acts of faith. And I believe that it is going to be an incredibly timely message for all of us, no matter where we're viewing this from today. So be sure, uh, if you haven't already, to click subscribe or like to be able to follow with us and start jumping into the book of Daniel next week. Now, we're going to be finishing up our quarantine series with maybe a bit of a surprising topic, right? Because we have covered things um, that are kind of heavy, like we've talked about grief, we've talked about anxiety, we've talked about loneliness, um, combative communication, uh, and now we're actually going to pivot. And for the final conclusion of this, we're going to talk about embracing joy. Now, Joy could seem like kind of an odd pick right now. I mean, the other ones, maybe you can wrap your head a little bit around and say, uh, okay, well, how should I be thinking about just the losses and, and grieving in my life? But actually, joy is a beautiful way to, to end this little mini-series because it really is something that we need to be equipped with. As people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, with whom the Spirit indwells, that it's actually one of the uh, ways that we see the fruit of the Spirit in our life, that it's love, it's joy, it's peace, and some of you are singing the song to figure out the rest in the back of your head, right? But, but that actually is a display of Christians in all different kind of situations in life. And we, we heard this read from Habakkuk, but I want to start with just this premise this, uh, this morning and say this, that when we talk about joy, what, what we're acknowledging is that you are actually wired for joy, that, that you are wired to have this experience, this, this lightness, um, this celebration, this contentment, this confidence, uh, a centeredness and a settledness in your heart and spirit. You are actually wired to thrive in that. And that's why I think something like laughter is just such a universal thing, right? You can see the laughter um, in people's eyes, you can hear it in what they say. It's, it's almost, it's the sounds of joy, uh, the manifestations of joy in our life. And it's actually kind of a universal human experience. And just to prove this point in an awesome way, um, we pulled up this video from the Great Internet Archives. I mean, this thing comes all the way back from like 2006. 
Um, that was a long time ago for the internet. But watch this video for a second and, and think about this idea of how we are wired for joy. That's pretty awesome, okay? And, and if you didn't even at least like crack a little smile, it's possible that you're dead inside and you might wanna look into that, okay? There, there's something that's almost contagious about, about laughter. Uh, and because what it really is doing is it's speaking to this amazing state that people can be in uh, of being joyful. Now, how exactly are we defining joy? Because we have to talk about it in a couple different ways um, first of all, when we're talking about just kind of the generic definition, you know, that you get from uh, online or an encyclopedia or something, um, a dictionary, when, you, when you're looking up joy, what you're going to get is something about exuberance or a state of happiness. Um, it's more about the feeling that goes around it. But in the Bible, actually, the Bible has a lot to say about joy, and it kind of defines it a little bit differently for the believer. Okay, so... Joy is the product of this confidence and this settledness in the belief that God is both good and that he is working out his perfect will for my life. And when I meditate on that, I can experience hope, I can experience confidence, and I can experience this amazing amount of um, settledness in my heart, to be able to accept the world as it's coming around me, to know that God is in control and that I am in the very center of his will and what he has for my life. And in that place, I can experience joy. See, joy is, is the product of feeling this settledness that, that everything is right, everything is what it should be, that, that it's good that we're experiencing good things and that all things will work together for good in the end. Now, that is very different how the Bible casts joy than what maybe just the typical person who isn't a follower of Jesus experiences. Why? Well, because when we talk about joy as being rooted in this, this belief that, that God is in control, that God is good, and that we can have confidence and hope when we meditate on that truth, but if you take God out of the equation, right? What is your joy actually connected to? Well, it's kind of connected to circumstances. And here's the difficult thing about this. Circumstances, as everybody knows, and if you're saying at home, understand home warriors, you're well aware can change. And they can change very quickly and in a very dramatic way. And so people's joy, as maybe they'll describe it as their happiness, is kind of this up and down thing. And, and they're hopeful that you know, if you get good news, or maybe there's this major life event like a wedding or birth of a child, or you get this amazing promotion at work, you do great on the school exam, whatever it is, right, that produces this, this moment of happiness, this moment of joy, this feeling that, that things are going to be okay and that it's good and that things are under control, right? 
But when that changes, all of a sudden it's gone. And this is why the Bible wants to cast joy as, as something that can actually be outside of circumstances. That the joy is different than just this up and down of happiness or whether I happen to feel like laughing or not, because joy can look a lot of different ways, but, but that it can actually be grounded and rooted in the very character and nature of God and the plans that he has for our life in spite of our circumstances. See, see, for the Christian, joy actually comes when we reframe how we are viewing the world around us and the situations that we're in. It actually is something that you can choose, not just to be tossed this way or tossed that way by whatever happens to be in that email that looks ominous when you open it. Now, you heard read from you from Habakkuk, and again, uh, I want to read it because I want us to think of it in, in this frame. Uh, Habakkuk 3.17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. All right, what do you think would be the natural conclusion of all of those negatives? Right, livelihood, um, our our insurance, how things are going to carry forward, my job expectations, all these things have gone wrong. And yet, look at verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. See, Habakkuk, it's such a fascinating book. I hope you get a chance to read it this week. Habakkuk is about this person, this prophet, who is asking questions of God. Right? Uh, Israel's just in a, a really... Um, the people of God are in a very difficult situation right now. Um, there's been an incredible amount of destruction and um, loss of life. The, the, I mean, the pain has been building up all around them. And Habakkuk comes with this question. And he goes, God, why? Why is this the case? I mean, it's a very direct and bold question to God. And here's the interesting thing. God doesn't actually punish Habakkuk or kind of get this this stiff response and going, well, how dare you? Who are you to ask me questions? And he doesn't berate him for the question of why on earth is all this happening? It's terrible. It's awful. God doesn't actually answer why though. God answers who? And God reminds, reminds Habakkuk that he is God. He's sovereign, that he is good, He's loving, he, he does care for his people, and that God is ultimately the one who is going to work all things out in the end, that God has a plan. And this is somehow part of it. And it isn't even a specific answer as to why. I mean, we could ask the same thing. Well, why are we in this situation right here? Why am I filming from the couch under uh, stay-at-home orders and you're watching it from somewhere, wherever you are, and there's chaos outside and confusion on the news? And, uh, you know, it's been a horrific toll on our community, on this country, and on the world. And you can ask why, and I think that's a normal question, a good question. A lot of times what God says is, is not why, but who. And because of that, because of that belief, you feel this pivot from Habakkuk to say, then even though all these things are going wrong, right? The farms are gone. The animals are gone. There's been destruction around. I don't know how my livelihood is going to continue. Yet, I will choose 
to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose joy. And you go, well, wait a minute, why? How could you choose joy? Because for the believer, for the person who walks in step with God and has faith in God, joy is based off of the conviction, the belief, the meditation on the truth that God is sovereign and that God is good. And because of that, we can have confidence and hope in the plan that he has for our life, that it will all work out together for good. You see this mirrored in the New Testament in the book of James in just a verse that, you know, can absolutely throw a lot of us off. Um, James chapter 1 says this really controversial phrase in verse 2. Count it all joy. Count every single part of it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James starts off with this real uh, controversial phrase. Hey, everybody, I want you to count it as joy. I want you to rejoice in. I want you to be in this place uh, of being settled, of being hopeful, of being confident that God is good, that God will work all things out. Uh, His plan is good for your life. And in that, I want you to experience joy in all types of trials. The little annoying ones about your schedule or car breaking down or bills to pay or the really big ones like scary health issues or concerning things that are going on in the news or what's what's the future direction? What's what's 2021 going to look like? I mean, 2020 has been crazy. I want you to count it all joy in various trials. Why? Well, because the trials really aren't that bad. And if you just, you know, if somebody has it worse, that's what we tend to do. We tend to want to either discount joy or discount sorrow. See, maturity is is actually the ability to hold both, to be able to say there, there are really bad things that have happened and I need to be able to name it. I need to be able to grieve it. We talked about that in our, our message on grief, right? That that it's not godly to pretend that bad things don't happen or that we don't experience pain or sorrow, right? That you can hold and acknowledge that things are bad and maybe they're awful and you can name that. But you can also hold over here this experience of joy, which says, but I recognize that even in the midst of that grief, that even in the midst of that pain, that God is still sovereign, that God is still good. And I can have confidence in that place, believing and hoping that he will work all things together for good. And that does not mean that all things, in fact, are good. Okay, there's a distinction. Um, There are plenty of things that are bad, and the Bible doesn't say everything that happens to you will be good. It's saying that God will actually work and direct as someone who is orchestrating this amazing plan to bring about redemption in this world that we know and live in and experience, and that it will, in the end, be good, even if all the steps on the path to that end are, in fact, not good and painful and bad, and, and we have plenty of those experiences. So James says this, I want you to consider it pure joy. Consider. I want you to to think, to analyze. Um, It's very much an intentional process of the mind, right? Because it's not our natural knee-jerk reaction. But I want you to meditate. 
And by the power of God's Spirit, I want you to experience joy because you know this, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Testing doesn't happen in a vacuum. Testing is not a natural thing. What it's referring to is God is actually using all of these things in your life because he's sovereign. And that's going to produce this centeredness, this groundedness, this maturity that says, this is bad, but I've been in this place before. I have seen God show up in my life and I can have confidence both from my life, from the testimonies in scripture, from the testimonies of other people that God is good and that his plan for me is good because he's loving. And I can have confidence in that. That produces a maturity and a steadfastness. And that is a process of a God who is sovereign, who can use all things in our lives, and that he's good. Because what it's meant to produce is not something capricious, but it's actually meant to produce a steadfastness that helps us in our walk of faith. Church, you can experience joy. In fact, you were wired to experience joy. Even if a little baby is expectantly looking forward to, hoping to, to laugh. And it's not that joy always equals laughter. It can look a lot of different ways. But coming from this place of, of centeredness, of an expectancy, that, and a belief that God is good, that God is sovereign, and that He is in control of our lives, working all things together for good. And so because of that, we can hope. A hope that is far, far beyond what the rise and fall of circumstances will be in our life. That is God's will for you. And that is an example of what it means to be walking in the Spirit. One of the ways that we can see how that fruit is displayed in our lives is joy, even in the midst of sorrow. Now, for you this week, for me this week, for all of us this week, you know what my prayer is? My prayer is that we will be able to be people who mature and can hold both things together, that there's some really bad things. And I don't have to pretend it's not true. I don't have to let the bad overtake the good. And I, I feel bad or embarrassed to, to be experiencing joy if there's bad. No, one doesn't need to overtake the other. We need to hold both. Recognize there is bad. There's trouble. There's, there's fearful things in our lives but that there's also this experience of joy that goes, even though this is true, that whatever this trial is in my life, whatever this is of, of, of destruction in my life, that there's something beyond my circumstances. And it is in that meditation, that consideration, analyzing, meditating on the character of God will produce an eternal joy this week. I encourage you, find time and space to, to step back and, and not be tossed so back and forth by whatever's on the news feed, by whatever latest article somebody texted you or something that you see, but, but that you take time to meditate on a God who is sovereign, a God who is good and who promises that his will for our lives will be worked out and it will be for his glory and our good. Now, as a special way for us to just even commemorate this, I want to make a quick recognition, and we're going to end on this today, a recognition of um, the students that we have in church that right now are frankly missing out on a lot of things that a lot of people look forward to and cherish and experience, things like graduations, um, proms, 
special programs that they have, ceremonies, awards, summer programs. I mean, I was even talking to somebody about internships or like out the window. And we wanna end on this as a way to practice this in a very tangible, touchable way. Um, a special word from our high school ministry leaders to any of the students out there to encourage you to celebrate well, to be able to experience joy and a belief in what God is doing, even in the midst of a lot of change and a lot of difficulties. Whether you're in high school or in any other phase of life, may you find joy this week. Hi everyone, I'm Jason. Honey. Laura, Pamela. We are also known as a Conquest High School Leadership Team. We wanted to say a quick hello. Hey. Hi. Hey guys. And congratulate all of our high schoolers for enduring some highly unusual circumstances and finishing the year strong. Each of your leaders remembers where we were on September 11th, and a few of us were still in high school when that happened. It is an event that we will all never forget. Similarly, we know that the experience of COVID-19 has been scary, uncertain, nerve-wracking, and difficult to manage. We're proud of you for doing your best to maintain a sense of normalcy with your family and friends, and for doing your part to socially distance. You must all be video conferencing experts now. Even though circumstances are limiting our ability to celebrate with you as this year ends, know that we are celebrating with you in spirit. Don't forget to celebrate the small things as much as the big things. Each of you make us very proud and we can't wait to be together again in person. We believe in you. Each of you is being called to a special purpose and while it may not feel that way right now, trust that God is using this time to prepare you to be future leaders of our churches, communities, businesses, and schools. Stay safe and healthy. See you guys soon. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 See you soon.